Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Hiva, and... It's the 101st episode. I guess it's not exciting anymore. I guess I don't really need to announce the episode number every episode anymore. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, Just a little thing that you might not know. When you open up the episode description, on the bottom, it lists the episode number. So if you're ever trying to... (laughs) for whatever reason. I don't know. Like sometimes I'll refer to an episode by an episode number. So if you're ever like, uh, like how would I know if it's the 89th episode? Like, do I count? No, you don't need to count. It's actually in the description on the bottom. Um, so that's information that quite literally no one cares about. Um, now if it's your first time listening, I am going to start putting in the show notes the timestamp of when the like main title episode topic starts. I can't announce it now because she doesn't know. I'm recording right now. We'll, we'll find out. We're in this together. But if you are someone like there has been one lady who really, really, really does not appreciate the banter in the beginning of the episodes and she is just gone out of her way to make her opinion known. So if you, like that woman, just really fucking need to get to the main (laughs) episode topic and you don't want to hear my musings on random shit, which is fine. You don't have to. I question why you want to listen to the podcast in general if that's the case. But hey, if this is you and you just need to get to the main title Topic, I'm going to start putting the timestamp of when that starts in the show notes so you can just skip ahead to that time and you don't have to be tortured to death with my opinions on shit. But for everyone else, buckle in because it's going to be a fun ride. Um, Okay, number one, I really, really want to thank everyone who came to the event last week. It was so much fun. I think it's going to be a monthly thing. I think, I mean, I don't know, unless like Showfield's decided that they hate me and don't want me back, but I'm pretty sure we're doing another one next month. Month. Couldn't tell you the date. I don't remember. It's somewhere around mid-November. I believe we're going to be talking about body image, which like who doesn't want to talk about that in November, right? I mean, it just it's it's a timely topic. Um, but seriously, thank you guys so much for coming. I had so much fun and, you know, can't wait to do more of these. Um, also, thank you for everyone who said congrats on 100 episodes. You know, I've been 
doing so much research trying to figure out what percentage of podcasts make it to 100 episodes. If you are able to find that information, let me know because I feel like I've scoured all of Google and I can't find it. I find a lot of other statistics, but I can't find that specifically. And I've really tried and I swear I heard on a podcast one time it was um Lauren Bostick and Michael Bostick's podcast and they own Dear Media which is like a huge podcast network so you know I kind of trust what they say I could have sworn they said like only one percent or maybe five percent of podcasts make it to a hundred episodes like most just stop before then but I have not been able to find that statistic in writing the only thing I could find really was that 50 percent of podcasts never make it past 14 episodes (laughs) so the one or five percent making it to a hundred actually kind of makes sense given that but again I can't verify it nevertheless it's, you know, it's an accomplishment. So thank you for the congratulations and whatever. Congrats to me. (laughs) Okay. Moving right along. I want to complain about something kind of head on before we get into like more positive things. The iPad tipping of it all. Now, listen, I am a tipper. I will tip. If I'm out at a restaurant, I'll like 20% is the bare minimum. Like if if my waiter assaulted me, I would still tip them 20%. If they spit in my fucking face, I would still tip them 20%. Like 20% like is truly like if I hated you, if it was a terrible experience, like if you harassed me, you still will get 20%. 20%. I, I mean, I generally go above 20%. I'll do a fucking 25%, whatever. Um, what other, I mean, like nowadays, I feel like in America, it's like we're expected to tip for everything, right? Like, so like spa, whatever I do, like the chick that does my hair removal, she threads my face, she waxes my body. She gets like, I mean, she's gotten over a hundred percent, in tips sometimes from me because I mean she deals with a lot like she you know she like she's like touched my labia like it's you know plus like I'm hairy as fuck like it's 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 a strenuous activity she gets a very high tip I, I tip I am a tipper I never complain about tipping but I think we have reached a situation where it's just getting out of hand now this has been going on for a long time the controversial situation of like, do you tip when you get takeout? Right. And I've heard from servers be like, well, it's still, we're still like doing work. So I've always tipped when I got takeout, even though like it's felt a little uneasy and like, I don't know, I always err on the side of tipping. But we have now reached a situation where like there are like bodega type of stores that I'll go into where it's like like they might do like some coffee, but they also have grocery style items. It's like I'm just grabbing shit and they're ringing me up. And then they turn the iPad around and there's a thing to tip. And it's like, A, 
I don't recall being serviced in any specific way. Like I don't like you're doing less than my grocery store does. Like it's like truly like no service has happened. B, the options are like 20%, 22%, like fucking like 45%. Like what are we coming to? And I fucking freeze and I I tip. I tip even in that scenario. And it's ludicrous. It is ludicrous. Like, is it like things have gotten out of hand? And like, where do we draw the line? And you know what I think the problem is? I think we need to do away with tipping altogether. And I think employers need to start paying their fucking employees a sensible wage. I think that's what the issue is. Like we need a Europe system. We need an Australia system because it's getting out of hand. Now, when I say this, I also fully understand that if we do this, there's going to be sticker shock, right? Because it's not like the employer is actually going to be paying it. No, they'll just pass that cost on to us as the customer where like menu items would then be more expensive. I'm okay with that. Now, I understand that there's an element of sticker shock that will go into place, but it's like enough, enough. I think it's what would be best for everyone. Obviously, I don't know, no, because I've never had a service job. And I will say, I think everyone should have a service job at some point. I think we should abolish college and instead force people to work in the service industry for a year because I think it makes, it. it's a formative experience. I think if everyone worked in the service industry for a year, I think we'd all be better people. And frankly, I think the fact that I've never worked in the service industry is probably a big contributor to the fact that my personality sucks. Like, I think we'd all be better people if we had that experience. So listen, I've never worked in the service industry, so I can't speak on this with like full confidence, but I genuinely think the system would be better if we just started charging full prices and paying people proper wages and salaries so that we don't have to do this fucking tipping dance because it's getting egregious. Okay. Like I like, and I don't know, like, can other people comment on this? Like, I'm not even talking about when you go to buy a coffee and they make you a coffee. I'm talking about like when you go to a coffee shop and you buy a bottle of water and then end up tipping them fucking 25% because it's the middle option on the iPad that they turned around to me. Like, basically what is happening is I am now tipping people like 10 fucking dollars for turning an iPad around. Like, is this... I don't think this is okay. Like inflation is at an all-time high. Like the economy isn't doing well. Like I don't know. Anyway, okay, rant over. Um I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that I've been doing lately. And by that, it's like mostly kind of health and wellnessy things, but like not really. I just have a list of random things in case. I don't know. Sometimes you guys like appreciate hearing about the things, the health and wellness hacks and tips and tricks or whatever that I get into. Okay, so I was scrolling TikTok recently and I was served an ad. Actually, I've like bought several things off of TikTok ads recently. And now I keep getting the same ad over and over again for something that I've already bought. And you can like, if that happens, you can actually to TikTok be like, I'm getting this ad too much. Like show me another ad. Um, 
but I'm just keeping it because like I don't want to see a new ad because I'll probably fucking buy it and I can't afford it because I have to run around town tipping people for doing nothing. Okay, so I got an ad for this like supplement that you take that apparently takes away body odor. And I was like, what? And so I click on it and I start reading the reviews and they're glowing. And so then I look it up on Amazon and again, the reviews are outstanding. So I'm like, hmm, what the fuck? So I go look at the ingredients and the number one ingredient was parsley. And then there was like some other kind of random stuff. And I was like, hmm, okay, like, is it the parsley that's doing this? So then I start Googling like parsley supplement health benefits. And sure enough, one of the things that comes up is that it like eliminates body odor. So I was like, okay, let me just go straight to the source. So I buy a parsley supplement and I'm taking six fucking capsules a day two at a time, three times a day. I've been doing this for a few days now. So far, I still have body odor, but I'm gonna experiment with this and report back over the coming weeks and see if it actually eliminates body odor. Cause like I can get a little bit stinky, especially for someone who like doesn't eat like meat and dairy and stuff. Cause those things can make you like really, really stinky. But like even for someone who just like eats fruits and vegetables for the most part. Like, I don't know. I just like, I just, I like my boyfriend, we call him Ozzy on the podcast. If it's your first time listening, if it's not your first time listening, you're probably so fucking annoyed with me explaining that every episode, but here we are. Um, he has like no body. Oh, I mean, like, I don't know, I guess like if he doesn't shower for long enough, like, yeah, there's a hint of a body odor, but I feel like I have a worse body odor than him. I don't know. I also think it's like my internalized like racism against myself because I'm like, oh, well, it's because I'm Middle Eastern, which makes like quite literally no sense. It's like literally my own internalized racism. But I don't know. I just like I'd like what I wouldn't give to be someone who like is just like, I mean, I, I I don't know what I'm angling for here. Is it to just never shower? Like, is that what I'm aiming for? I don't know. But I, I'll report back. Um, So far, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's a bit of a slight improvement, but I... I'm very curious to see what unfolds because the reviews that I've read have been like unequivocally positive. Um, Speaking of reviews, another TikTok ad that I was served was this lip thing that's kind of like a lip plumper, but not that kind that you would like whatever buy from Sephora and it like it's all tingly on your lips and stuff. It's something that like you put on consistently and then over time it plumps up your lips. And again, the reviews were so fucking good that I was like, maybe this actually works. So I've ordered it. Now the first, I don't know, few days or a few weeks or something, you're supposed to apply it 10 times a day. I'm not even joking. Five times in the morning and five times in the evening. I obviously, as you can imagine, have not kept up with that because that's, that's insane. Like I don't, there's nothing that I do 10 times a day. I don't think I even fucking pee 10 times a day. No, I probably do pee 10 times a day. Good God. I, I really, it feels like I'm in the toilet 
constantly. So I probably do pee 10 times a day, but I don't know. I've not been putting on. I mean, maybe I should just put it next to the toilet and that way every time I go pee, I'll put it on. Um, part of the problem is like, I don't want to put it on right at, right before I drink water because I'm like, well, then like I'll end up swallowing it and it won't stay on my lips, right? I don't know. Anyway, I'm not going to share what the brand is yet because I really want to verify that it actually works. And if it actually works, then I'll share all the details about it. But again, the reviews are so fucking good. I also off of TikTok to TikTok ads bought this um like a highlighter. Um and I was so excited, like a body highlighter too. And I was so excited to use it. Like, it's just like a glowy thing. Um, I was supposed to be at a friend's wedding this past weekend, but then I ended up not being able to go because I've been sick. I've still been sick. Um, and I really, I'm putting so much like effort into healing and by that. I mean, I'm just like doing exceptionally little, but yeah, it's still kind of lingering and especially the brain fog has been so bad and it's just, it's really turned into a bit of a professional hazard because it's like really hard to get on a mic and speak for an hour when you have brain fog. Although I will say I'm doing astonishingly better than I was doing last weekend. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, um, that's not one of the things. Um, what else am I doing? Oh, another like health and wellnessy thing I've just like randomly started doing is putting a teensy bit of apple cider vinegar in my water all day long. Now, I'm not saying you should do this because I can see a lot of downsides to it, but it's like I just want it so badly. Like I'm enjoying it so much. And I've always loved like acidic tastes. Like I think that... I think the most interesting thing about Ayurveda is how so much of it is like broken down by taste. And I will say like, I just seek out like tart and tangy flavors so much, like so much so than any other, so much more so than any other flavor profile. I just like, I'm fucking all about the tart and the tang. So yeah, I don't know. I've really been enjoying it. Now I've heard doing like a little bit of apple cider vinegar, obviously like organic with the mother, yada, yada in your water, like before eating is good. Cause it gets like the digestive juices flowing. I've also like read like bullshit. Like I remember when I was in college, they were like, Oh, the reason Megan Fox is so thin is because she takes shots of apple cider vinegar. I can't imagine a world in which that is true, which is like beyond my realm of comprehension, how apple cider vinegar could actually make you lose weight. But I'm telling you, like I've been enjoying it so much and maybe, maybe it's just that it makes me drink more water because I'm enjoying the flavor so much. And I will say, I don't think it's like as good for you as lemon water is, but lemon water is more work. Like you have to cut open the lemon, put it in the lemon squeezer thing versus the apple cider vinegar. I just take them, take the bottle. I give it a shake, shake, shake to swirl the mother around. And then I just pour it in the cup. It's just less work. And as I just stated, I've really been prioritizing rest. So yeah, um, yeah, that's kind of all the things. Oh, the other things that I've been like really transitioning my wardrobe to lighter colors, like 
increasingly over time. Like I used to just exclusively wear all black. And now, I mean, I still like it's, I, I either do an all black outfit or I do like all white or like whites and camels, but I have been just so much more drawn to lighter colors. And I think it's, I think it's really interesting. And then the last rack, it's not a wellness rack, but the something navy brand long sleeve tees that they just came out with are so soft it's like almost like a long sleeve tee that's like a like a like a really i don't know soft sweater material i don't know why like it's like a thick tee i'm almost hesitant to say this because i don't want them to sell out i have two in black and two in white and the matching scarves for each color and i want to like i want to buy two more to just i think they're going to be staples for the winter like not getting paid to say this at all but like I just have to pass it along because they're like fucking exceptional. Oh, last thing I've been meaning to incorporate, but I just haven't been able to do it is like, I want to start like for one to two songs every morning or at some point during the day, sensually dancing. Now, my friend Michelle has been talking about this. She said it's changed everything for her. I've heard a lot about the benefits of like really moving your hips like as women because like we store so much trauma in that area, that like root chakra, sex organs area of our bodies and how like that type of movement where you're really like, it's like embodiment work. It's, you know, it's movement, but it's like really tapping into that sensuality, like the benefits. And she's just been raving about how it's affected like her mental state and like her physical body, everything together. And it really got me thinking about how I feel like I, like even when I do dance, it's like silly. It's never sexy. Like I'm so not like I'm so not comfortable with being sexy. Like not only do I not think of myself as a sexy person, but I also like I'm not comfortable thinking of myself as a sexy person. Like I'd rather be silly. I'd rather be funny. I'd rather be goofy. Like I I'm so comfortable with those things. And I also am like very comfortable talking about sex. But like it's like I almost I don't know, like I'm just like, I don't think of myself as sexy and I don't like thinking of myself as sexy. And I do think that that's probably the result of trauma. I mean, I can easily think off the top of my head, like growing up in a strict Middle Eastern household, like, you know, all of us, I mean, pretty much, I think grew up in like very not sex positive environments. Like we also grew up at a time where women who were like, who were in touch with their sexuality were like labeled as like sluts or whores sometimes I don't know like it's just it, times are shifting and I think we all carry some level of like sexual trauma so it's something that I really want to try to make a point to do but I'm having a lot of resistance towards it which only makes me think that I need it more but I would follow my friend Michelle, her Instagram is at the Mishwell. It's T H E M I C H W E L L. She is actually just like the best follow on Instagram. She is the person that I hit up when I want recommendations for anything, anything like. 
A, she's so good with like clean brands of things. Like if you want like a non-toxic home cleaner, she knows the best one. Like she, if you want like a clean wine, she'll know the best one. Like she's just, she's so good with stuff like that. And she just generally has good taste. She is, I constantly talk about her on my Instagram. I think she is one of the best follows on Instagram. The fact that she doesn't have like 3 million followers blows my mind and really just proves that the algorithm is broken. So definitely check her out. I'm going to um, bully her into posting more about this. No, I'm just kidding, but I'm sure she'll be talking more about it. And I really want to do it. So if any of this is like kind of interesting to you or, or you're kind of like, what the fuck? Um, follow her. Let's talk about it. Let's do it together. <sighs> okay. Another thing that will be coming up. So I've always planned if you're a member of my courses and like specifically if you're like the academy member where you have full access to everything versus if you've just bought like a la carte courses and I really would recommend that because I think it's the best bang for your buck you get access to everything and specifically what you'll get access to are um uh, I want to do challenges. So like one that I've been planning in my head for a while now is a 2023 kickoff full month long challenge where for each day there's going to be a different like guided meditation or assignment or like task or something that you do. And it's just the intention is to like kick 2023 off on like the best possible note together. But I was thinking since that's a while away, maybe doing a Thanksgiving week mini challenge since like most people have like you know some time during that week so for each day of the week there will be like a like a journal prompt or a guided meditation or an assignment or something and the whole thing will like pop up as a course within the teachable app again if you're a member if you have the six month or 12 month membership to the Blush Academy. It'll just pop up. Everything will be right there. So be on the lookout for that. And um, if any of that sounds confusing, use the Q&A link to ask questions and I'll answer it within the Blush Academy. But I'm so fucking excited to get into that. I've been planning it. It's going to be so good. So be on the lookout for that. <sighs> okay. <laughs> So I want to do a teensy bit of celebrity gossiping and celebrity gossiping from like a health and wellness perspective, I guess. Okay, number one, I'm sure you've heard about this James Corden Baltazar drama. Now, if you're not from New York, have never been to New York, Baltazar is an iconic restaurant. It's in Soho. It's right off of Broadway on Prince. It's either on print. No, I think on Spring Street. Anyway, it's in Soho. It's iconic, like celebrity sightings. I've actually never been, so I shouldn't talk about it with so much authority. I, sh I should go. Like, I should go. Um, but, you know, one of those iconic restaurants. Now, the owner of that restaurant group posted on Instagram last week that James Corden is 86. He's like banned. Is it 86? Or am I, do I have the numbers wrong? He's banned from Baltazar and sister restaurants because he's a tiny cretin of a man, which is a hilarious way to describe someone. And that he's like the rudest customer he's ever had. 
And he uh, gave two examples of like the shit that he's done where he's just been incredibly rude to wait staff, which is really like so unacceptable. Again, going back to the earlier service industry discussion, like this is why I think it's so useful to have been in the service industry because like I think it probably gives you better perspective on like humans and humanity and like whatever. Anyway, um, but like no one deserves that. It's a completely outrageous. And what was fascinating to me was one of the complaints was, I guess his wife had ordered an all egg yolk omelet, and then he got angry because there was a tiny bit of egg white in it. Now, I've been vegan for over five years now, and when I first went vegan, I actually would joke that I was vegan and like two Gs because I was still eating eggs. For the first, like, like that was my initial thing. I was like, I, I'll eat eggs, but nothing else. And then, like, within a month or two, I just stopped eating eggs also because I just, like, didn't really feel the need for them, yada, yada. Anyway, um, so I haven't had eggs in over five years now. So I don't know if this is, like, a new trend or, like, what, but I have quite literally not once in my entire life heard of this. So it's an omelet that has a literally no egg whites in it. It's all egg yolks. I mean, the yolk of the egg is a very small part of the egg. So to be able to create an omelet with just egg yolks, like it must take so many fucking eggs. Like, so many. Like, how do you even do, like, what? And moreover, this bitch, like, does not care about cholesterol is what I'm learning from this. Like, and good on her. I mean, what a what a fascinating approach to food. And I bet that's fucking delicious because egg yolks are really good. So, I mean, go off. Like, more power to her. I'm just, I'm blown away by this concept in general. But anyway, so apparently he was super rude. Um, The Baltazar owner puts this on his Instagram. And then I guess James Corden reached out to him and profusely apologized. So then the Baltazar owner updated and was like, he profusely apologized. He's allowed back in, whatever. He said some things with like... um, kind of a weird sense of humor, whatever. Apparently the Baltazar owner is also like kind of problematic. Also through all this, it comes out that a lot of people have complaints about James Corden. Like apparently he's just kind of an asshole. And then James Corden was like scheduled to do some kind of interview to promote something, who knows, whatever. And obviously this came up because like, you know, it's kind of a big deal. And he was like, I've done nothing wrong, like blah, 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 which is insane because if you actually were being super rude to the service staff, which I'm sure he was because like, why would they lie about that? Then like you actually have done something wrong. Now, I do think that he raises an interesting point that I do think it's kind of fucked up to like put people on blast every time they're rude. Like have you like I'm cunty all the time. Like I would hate to be judged on my worst moments. But then at the same time, like if you're that really like I don't know, like when I have been rude, like it's you know, it's happened like something got fucked up. I call customer service. It's an absolute shit show. I usually go in intending to be nice, but I, you know, end up being a little cunty. I always apologize. And I'm not saying that's ideal either. I don't know. I'm not sure what the takeaway here is. And then 
the Baltazar owner then posted something again after he read the interview and he's mad again. So like, I don't know. It's It goes back and forth. Like, honestly, I think we need Andy Cohen in here. Like, I think we need a housewife style reunion type situation to go on because like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. But like, A, it seems like this is just a trend, right? It seems like he actually can be like super, super rude unless the camera is directly on him, which is fascinating because I always think like there aren't bad people. We just were all always acting on our own unresolved trauma. And it's interesting to me, what would prompt James Corden to be such an asshole. And it seems like he's specifically an asshole to people who he thinks don't matter. And I think that's what it all comes down to with service, right? It's it's not like, it's not just the fact that you're rude. It's the fact that people will take it out on people who they deem to be less important to them. And I think that speaks volumes. Whereas I am an equal opportunity cunt. In fact, I'm cuntiest to the people who are closest to me. No, I'm just kidding. But like the bigger thing is like, okay, like what's going on? Like what's causing this? Because like I know for me, I mean, I joke around. I really, I think I'm so much nicer now than I used to be. And a lot of it is like, cause I eat now. Like that's what a lot of it comes down to. Like when I was really like my cuntiest, a lot of it was because I was just hungry all the time. Like truly I was just hungry cause I had an eating disorder. And then the other, it's like, it was like lingering childhood trauma. So like, I just, I wonder, cause like, I don't, I'm sure like, again, I don't think James Corden is a bad person because I don't think there are bad people. Like even Ted Bundy, everyone is just acting on their own unresolved trauma. And like, I wish we could give that grace to people and at the same time, like hold people accountable and be like, this is unacceptable behavior. And like, you need to figure out why you're behaving like this because it's unfair to be rude to people all the time. Okay. I want to switch gears because I don't have much more to say to this on this to Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis. Now, I'm sure you know Olivia Wilde and Jason Stakis have children together. They were together for many years, it seems. And then she started dating Harry Styles when they met on the set of Don't Worry Darling. Now, I remember when it first came out that they were dating it seemed like she was putting a ton of effort into clarifying the timeline and being like, oh, Jason Sudeikis and I haven't been together since the beginning of the year. It's been like months and months and months that we're actually broken up. And now I'm with Harry Styles. Now, there is one phrase that I will live and die by, and that is doth protest too much. When people are really trying to convince you of something, it tends to be the opposite. Uh, look at couples who are really gushy on Instagram. They generally break up, <laughs> you know, like look at like anyone who's like really hammering down on something there tends to be something there. So from the get-go, I was like, mm, this seems fishy. It seems like she probably left Sudeikis for Harry Styles. Now, were there issues in the relationship? I'm sure. I don't think people cheat just because they met someone better. There's usually issues in the relationship that prompt it to happen in the first place. Nevertheless, it seems like something was fishy. On top of that, we have the super, super, super messiness of the Don't Worry Darling 
main cast and the Venice Film Festival and the fact that Olivia Pugh, uh, not Olivia Pugh, Florence Pugh seems to just hate Olivia Wilde. And there, you know, there were speculations of like, oh, Florence Pugh first had something with Harry and that's why, or like she's annoyed because Olivia Wilde was cheating on Sudeikis with Harry Styles and like she was put in an awkward position. Either way, the whole thing seemed fucking messy. Now, last week, Harry, uh, not Harry, sorry, Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis's nanny came out and like just started like spilling fucking tea about how Olivia did in fact cheat with Harry and like left Sudeikis for Harry and how Sudeikis was absolutely distraught about this. I mean, she shared fucking like screenshots of conversations, which I'm just going to read at this point because that's where we're that's where we're at. Um, but like, I guess like Olivia Wilde moved out of their house when she like fell for Styles, and she said that it was because of like COVID restrictions and things like that. But it seems like maybe that wasn't true. Um, so I'm going to read some of these screenshots. This is between Olivia and the nanny. So Olivia says, do you mind checking in on the kids for me? They were sleeping in Daisy's bed when I left. Just want to make sure Jay is okay with them. Um, nanny responds, hey, Olivia, sorry for the late reply. I went up to help put the kids to bed. I fell asleep in Daisy's bed. So cozy, um, blah, blah, blah. Olivia says, made my day. FYI, I'm not coming by this AM because things got very contentious with Jason last night, and I don't think I should see him until the doctor is there. So I'm meeting him at the doctor's office at 9.30. Just FYI, that's why I'm not rushing there for breakfast kisses, which I would like to do every single time I'm not working early. Um, separate text message that's like a week or so later. Nanny says to Olivia, hey, Olivia, I see you have blank. It's blanked out from five to six on Sunday. Do you want me to get there by 430 or do you want me to take Daisy with me to Palm Springs? Olivia said, hi, I'm going to try and move that appointment, but thank you. Nanny says, okay, just let me know whatever works. How was Thanksgiving? And Olivia responded, apparently Daisy isn't allowed on the property of the hotel. I'm staying in Palm Springs. So annoying. No kids policy, which is so weird. That is actually really fucking weird for a hotel. Um, <laughs> okay, back to Olivia. So you guys are at a separate hotel with Becca. Um, so I'll hang with her elsewhere, blah, blah, blah. Thanksgiving was nice. Okay. That wasn't that interesting. Why did I read that? Um, and then, uh, okay. Like the gist of it is like Olivia Wilde leaves is sleeping with Harry. Um, Jason Sudeikis starts, uh, like finds out because, okay, I'm just going to read from the article. Um, Wilde began spending more and more time away from home, citing work and eventually, citing work and eventually moved into the nearby $1,650 a night Paramore Estate Hotel in LA at the start of November 2020. She told her oblivious fiance the move was due to COVID outbreak on set, but later dumped Sudeikis during a visit to the house they shared on November 8th. 
Distraught Sudeikis later uncovered the full details of her relationship with Styles by reading messages on an Apple Watch Wilde had left behind and swiftly banned the nanny from playing Styles music near the children. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. In a furious rant, he said she had put the move on the former boy band star during a cast dinner in Palm Springs, California, where she also kissed him for the first time. The nanny said it was supposed to be a temporary break for COVID, but that turned into but that turned out to be how she left us. He thought it was a temporary break. On Monday morning, November 9th, when I came back from the weekend off, he was crying, crying a lot, crying and crying. I didn't know what had happened at all. After I'd got the kids ready, Jason came upstairs and was having some coffee. He was crying in a mess, saying she left us. She left us. And then we have text messages from Jason with the nanny where Jason writes, she left. She just left. And the nanny responded, I don't get it before bed. And Jason said she left them wide awake, sitting in Daisy's bed after shaming me for going to Kansas and not wearing a mask. Yes, yes, something blanked out. They're wide awake. I'm in shock. This is crazy. She just left them. The nanny responds, I'll come put Daisy down. I'm gathering that Daisy is one of their children's names. And then Sudeikis said, took her salad and dressing and left them. I'm so sorry. Are you actually here? Okay, now it gets a lot more messy and um, and there's a lot more texts between Jason and the nanny. And I guess at some point, Jason Sudeikis kicked the nanny out of the house. And I'm guessing this is why the nanny is spilling all this tea, because like, wouldn't the nanny have signed an NDA probably? But even if she didn't, it's like, do you want to be a nanny ever fucking again? Because no parents are going to like this. And I have to say, I do feel a little bit gross because this is like very intimate details into their lives. Now, there is a reason I'm talking about it be beyond just like, you know, enjoying gossip where, uh, which I will get to, but like, I feel like like, she's never going to get work as a nanny again. Like, who would, like, would you hire this person to look after her kids if you know she has a pension for just spilling, like, intimate workings of your family to the press? Like, the, it's it's not a great look for her. So, like, I don't, and it seems like there's been, like, some ongoing drama. Hold on. Um... There's another text from Jason where he wrote, I'm going to call the police unless you come downstairs and speak with me, uh, with my sister, Lindsay. It's your choice. I do not feel safe with you in the same home as my children right now. A simple conversation could be very helpful, please. Everything is going to be okay. She writes back, Jason, it's after 10. Can we talk tomorrow? You've been drinking and really angry. I'm very afraid of you right now. I just want to go to bed with Cooper. He writes back, no, please come down, record everything. My sister Lindsay is here. She writes back, I'll pack my bags. He wrote, please come downstairs and speak with me first. And then the nanny starts texting Olivia and she writes, you have no idea, Olivia, 911, Jason is throwing me out, said he's calling the cops. He's angry and drinking, got upset with me because I sent you that message. Please help. He said, I have to leave tomorrow and flying me home. 
Olivia's not responding. And then she writes, wow, really? Telling him everything I say but can't answer, yet you say you love and care about me. So it seems like the nanny was texting Olivia for help and the and Olivia wasn't responding for whatever reason. And then finally, Olivia responds and she says, I'm on set and can't answer. Blank told me not to engage with J- without Jason and I speaking together. And then... Um, the nanny sends screenshots of what Jason is sending her to Olivia. And Olivia responds, we both care about you. We are trying to do the right thing. We just need to stay calm. And the nanny says, he's telling me I need to leave the house now, Olivia. I just want to go to bed. Wow. And okay, so it seems like Whatever the issues are between the two of them affected this nanny's professional working relationship with the family. And then when she reached out to Olivia for help, Olivia wasn't responding. And then like this is what I thought was like the most interesting part of all this. Apparently, when Olivia Wilde went to go meet up with Harry Styles and she was taking the salad with the special dressing, Jason Sudeikis laid on the ground in front of Olivia Wilde's car to try to stop her from leaving. Okay, so I have like a million things to say about this. A, Jason Sudeikis, I think, is all of us. Like, all of us who have ever had anxious attachment. Like, have I laid in front of a car to stop someone from leaving? No. But I've also lived in cities for most of my adult life. So, like, I haven't really had a ton of, like, dating with car situations. Now, I can tell you, like, with the comedian, would I have laid in front of his car to prevent him from leaving? Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember like hanging on to him, like physically trying to prevent him from leaving my apartment. So, like, have I done that specifically? No, but like, I would have done something just like it. So, like, I totally, totally get it. Now, the nanny also seems to have a bit of like anxious attachment of her own going on because it seems like she's really reacting to the fact that like Olivia wasn't responding to her texts right away. I don't know what's going on. It's all very, very messy, but it seems like there are a lot of attachment wounds that are at play. Now, the other thing I just want to address really quickly is the salad dressing. Olivia Wilde, when all this broke, did actually post the salad dressing into her Instagram stories, which I will say is like the first time I've kind of liked Olivia Wilde. Like that's just, I think, a funny way to respond to all this. And it's the recipe is two tablespoons of grape poupon mustard, two tablespoons of a really good red wine vinegar, and six tablespoons of olive oil. Now, the key here is you mix the mustard and the vinegar, and then you slowly pour in the olive oil as you're whisking so that it emulsifies. And now this is not like a secret recipe of any sort at all. A vinaigrette generally traditionally is one third acid to two thirds um, two thirds oil, which this recipe falls into. Although actually it's more like a quarter to three quarters. You can do it either way. I even up the acid to oil ratio, but that's just because personally I really like acids, but like a third to two thirds is like pretty traditional. And then the real key here is you need an emulsifier because Acid and oil do not emulsify. Instead, you get a goopy dressing where like some parts of it are really acidic and some parts of it are really oily. But something like mustard, 
makes it emulsify. And that's what ends up being really good. So what you do is you mix the emulsifier with your acid first, and then you very, very slowly incorporate the oil while you're whisking so that all of the oil gets perfectly emulsified. And what ends up happening is a really fucking creamy dressing. Trust me on this. Mustard is a beautiful emulsifier. Other things that work, I've heard like tomato paste works. Mustard really like mustard, just do mustard. It's stunning. Okay. Um, I don't have much more to say on this other than I think like everyone's attachment wounds are coming out to play and we can see that in how things are being handled. I do, I will say like, it seems like Olivia Wilde lies a lot and I think things would be so much better for her if she lied less. You know, like it's truly like the truth will set you free. Okay. Um, TV Rex, I have not watched Ted Lasso, but I hear it's exceptional. And I don't know, like maybe Jason Sudeikis needs a little love right now. So there's that. Um, I've been watching Winter House on Bravo. It's back on. I'm so excited. And then I've been binging. I mean, not binging Tell Me Lies, but like I've been obsessed with it. It's so fucking good. I've talked about it before, but it's it's so good. And um, I've been binging How to Get Away with Murder, which is like pretty trash. Like it's like at the level of um, at the level of what's it called <laughs> of soap opera. But like I've just been obsessed with it. And then I plan on starting The Watcher this week on Netflix. I hear it's really good. I hear it's really scary. Okay. Now, we've been talking a little bit about fighting and attachment styles, and I want to talk about this a bit more. Now, in last week's episode, I talked about how exactly four years ago from last week, I was in the Adirondacks Mountains with um, the comedian at a film festival and I don't really remember. Oh, I was talking about like the other guy that I met, Ben, and how like maybe I wasn't really using Ben to make him jealous, but just I was reverting to that old behavior of like always kind of having like a back burner guy, right? So this week, I want to talk about what happened when we came back from the Adirondacks. Maybe two nights after that, we went out with the comedian's friend who is this like private chef. Oh, he private chef for the Kardashians and like he has like a restaurant now and like whatever. So we go out with him and like some chick was with him. And I remember he's like, oh my God, this place has like this drink that's so good that has absinthe in it. And I was like, sure, let's do it. And like, I actually don't remember what this place was. I think it was in the West Village though. And I'm dying to find out and I want to go back there. Anyway, so we're like ordering these absinthe cocktails. And I remember while we were out, like I was feeling some kind of way. I don't know how to explain how I was feeling, but I remember feeling like some resentment, I want to say, come up towards the comedian. And then we go back to my place and he's laying in bed. I go to like brush my teeth and stuff and I take forever. I mean, I was just drunk. I was feeling myself. I'd put on music. I was dancing around. 
going back to the beginning of the episode, not centrally dancing, but like <laughs> dancing around whatever. I take forever. And I get out, uh, you know, I've washed my face, I've brushed my teeth, and I go to the bedroom expecting to have sex with the comedian. And he had fallen asleep. And I don't know what about that made me see red, but I just start like yelling. Like I'm like, get the fuck out. This is fucking bullshit. Go home. Like blah, blah, blah. It's obviously it's not about him falling asleep and me just like needing sex so badly in that moment. Right. Because like it's not about that. I think it was more like just built up resentment, right? Like the beginning of the relationship with the comedian, I tried so hard to be like the most like needless human being on the face of the planet. Like I just wanted to be so chill, so easygoing. Like I never called issue with some of his behaviors that were problematic. I would laugh at all of his jokes that weren't fucking funny. Like I just like was constantly like talking him up, putting him on a pedestal, like being being like like his like the confidant in terms of everything like uh, he would just complain about work and everything and like bounce ideas off me meanwhile I never talked about what was going on in my life like I was completely needless completely wantless and like I remember something about the fact that we were staying at my place and I was like it's my place. Like I just like I'd been staying at his place so much because I'd like come up to New York and stay with him. And like the like position I'd sleep in the bed was uncomfortable. Like I didn't like I couldn't like put my stuff anywhere. Like there were like all these things that I was swallowing and never like speaking up a single fucking need. And I think in that moment I was like, we're staying at my place and I want to fucking be comfortable finally for once. And I just absolutely lost it. Now, I can't remember if he actually ended up leaving that night or not, but I do know after that, we didn't talk for a while. Like he was like fully done with me, like fully, fully done with me. And I was just like, I spent weeks like groveling and trying so hard to like be perfect, like trying to figure out like what was so broken with me and like why I, you know, picked that fight and like yada, yada. And honestly, this is actually like really, really common with both anxious attachment and fearful avoidant. And I've talked about this before, I know, but like with anxious attachment, it's really common to end up exploding because like we don't want to speak our needs because we don't want to rock the boat, right? Like with anxious attachment, like you just have this predisposition, like on a subconscious level where you think like other people are kind of like better than you and like subconsciously you don't think you're lovable. And so when you do find someone, you just want to make it work, right? And part of trying to make it work is like just being that kind of like chill, easygoing kind of person and not asking for too much because like subconsciously you think it any given moment you're going to be left. And so you don't want to rock the boat. So you end up like not speaking needs, but eventually those needs come out. Like they come exploding out because like we're fucking human beings who have needs. Like it's just a human normal thing. The other thing that happens a lot, and this is like especially with fearful avoidance, is it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like with fearful avoidance, like as much as like fearful avoidance want connection, 
there's also just this subconscious belief that like connection is unsafe, connection is dangerous, and I will end up getting hurt. And so it ends up becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy because like with fearful avoidance, you end up creating the situation where you end up getting hurt. Like either we seek it out by just seeking out people who will hurt us or we or both create situations where like by picking fights and just like, you know, like acting a little quote unquote crazy so that we do end up getting hurt. And then the worst part about it is like once these fights happen, right, and we push them away, then our attachment system is so activated and it's like we can't fucking relax until the fight is resolved. So like you might do things like, okay, you pick the fight, you push them away, and then they don't want to talk to you. And you just call over and over and over and over again, just trying to get their attention. Or you might try to like act cool or like act aloof in order to get their attention. It's like, okay, you're not talking to me. I'm doubly not going to talk to you. I'm going to block you. Like I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I remember during that like few week period until the comedian and I reconciled again, like I told him I was moving to Germany or something that I'd gotten a job. It was like literally untrue, literally untrue. There may have been like a shred of truth to it. Like maybe like I did talk to someone who like maybe was talking about a job in Germany, but like there was like not even an ounce of me that it was going to take it or it could have been fabricated. I truly, truly cannot remember. But like that type of stuff where I'd like call when I'd like try to send an intention not to call, like I, I'd block him, I'd unblock him. I try so hard to like not talk to him at all. But like all of these things were just desperate attempts to get his attention because like the truth of the matter is like, I couldn't think about anything. I couldn't, like, it felt like I couldn't breathe. Like it felt like my entire existence at that point was just reconciling with the comedian. Not even because I was like that into him or like really wanted to be with him that bad because I was attached because my attachment wounds were like completely at the forefront of everything. And I couldn't even see or hear or think anything other than that and it's I mean there is nothing more painful than that and like I don't know if while you're listening you can relate to the feeling of like being in a fight with someone like your significant other and them just like needing space for a second and you're like oh my god I like literally cannot breathe until this fight is resolved like no we have to talk about it now no we have to talk about it now like I've been there and I've been on the receiving end of that also and it's all a fucking shit show and it all comes back to our attachment wounds. I mean, I remember after that happened, I was like, oh my God, I have borderline personality disorder. And I like go to therapy the next week and I'm like, I borderline personality disorder. And he's like, no, you don't. And I was like, well, would you know? Like blah, blah, blah. Cause I didn't know about attachment theory. And like, obviously now it all makes sense. But like even my therapist like wasn't even like, it's just, it's not talked about enough. Like if my therapist in that moment had been like, no, it's just like your feel fearful avoidant slash anxious attachment that's coming out. It's not borderline personality disorder. You're not crazy. There is an explanation for this. Like this is what's happening. Your attachment system is getting activated because you're going back to 
like your brain is just looping back to infancy when your literal survival on this planet depended on your adult caregivers. And so you're just looping back to that feeling and it feels like you're dying because that's what your body and your brain is telling you. It literally feels like you're dying because as a helpless infant, if you were separated from your quote unquote attachment partners, which are like your parents and caregivers, then you would die. And so now you're just equating your adult romantic situation with that same infancy you know, attachment relationship. And now that you're separated, it literally to you feels like you're dying, but you're not actually dying. You just need to heal that trauma that caused those attachment wounds and everything would go away. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, I have been in fights or disagreements with people before and it literally felt like I was like losing my mind. I was about to fucking Jason Sudeikis lie in front of the car to prevent them from leaving. Like I would do anything to stop them from leaving. I would do anything to resolve the fight in that moment. Literally anything. I feel you. Here are my tips. Number one, Try to not get into conversations and like situations while you're heated. And here's the thing. I think we live in a society and in a culture that really like vilifies and demonizes anger when anger is actually a normal human emotion and a very healthy response to certain situations. Like we are supposed to experience anger when our boundaries are crossed. Look at other animals. Like go try to like steal an elephant's baby. That fucking elephant will get angry as it should because its boundaries are being crossed. There is nothing wrong with anger. Like this society that we've created that vilifies anger is really not okay. We are allowed to be angry. And if you're perpetually angry, I would look at like why it is that you feel like your boundaries are being crossed constantly. Or are you looping back to something that has happened in the past where your boundaries are crossed and now you're just reverting to that experience and projecting that experience onto everything else that's happening? So that's number one. Number two, anger is a very charged emotion. So what I always, like, even though you're totally justified and allowed to be angry, at the same time, it's really hard to resolve things while you are in that charged state. So what I would recommend is, like, if you're feeling really heated, first get that energy out. Some kind of exercise is often helpful, going for a run, some kind of very active exercise. There's um, a kundalini kriya called like fists of anger, I think. Like I've just looked it up on YouTube and done it while I've been in that charged state to get the anger out. And then once the anger is out, then I can like sit and be like, okay, what's wrong and what do we do here? So that's number one. Number two, work on just being a less reactive person. And this goes back to the James Corden situation that I was getting at. It seems like James Corden is a very reactive person. And 
there are a lot of reasons why we might be very reactive, but like essentially it's often like because we're in our sympathetic nervous system versus our parasympathetic nervous system. Now, what are ways that we can try to be less reactive? Number one, make sure your basic physical needs are being met. Are you sleeping enough? Like, are you pooping? Are you getting enough carbs? Are you getting enough calories? All of these things cause reactivity. Number two, like, um, you know, the term shadow work, shadow is in psychology. It's something that we repress in ourselves. A lot of reactivity comes from us suppressing certain things about ourselves. And then if someone like, let's say someone's like, oh my God, you're such an angry person. If you have a reaction to that, it's because you have received the message from society that being an angry person is a bad thing. And so you've been like, oh my God, the worst thing I could do is being an angry person. And so you suppress it in yourself. And then the insinuation of that triggers you because there's shadow around it. So shadow work is so helpful. If you are enrolled in the Blush Academy, I go into this in the fight picking course. So even if you don't feel like you pick fights, I would look at that module of that course because there's so much helpful stuff there and there's a really good guided meditation to try to help you integrate everything. Um, other things, like I've heard that doing very active types of breath work where you're like actually purposefully sending yourself into a sympathetic nervous system state is actually really good for calming your nervous system as a whole because when you purposely put yourself in a sympathetic nervous system state, you're then actually teaching your body how to control being in a sympathetic nervous system state. So then you overall become less reactive. Now, once all those things are handled, you have to start practicing voicing your needs routinely. And that is something that's really, really hard to do. And I advocate starting slow and starting with like lower stakes situations. So start practicing voicing your needs. Like if someone gets your coffee order wrong, voicing that. If someone like start with these little low stakes situations so that you're practicing actually speaking your needs so that you can start doing it with higher stakes situations. And then I want you to ask yourself, are you settling for breadcrumbs? Because that is very fucking common with anxious attachment. Again, there's just this subconscious belief that like other people are better than us and like I'm not actually inherently lovable. And so you just settle for getting things. And also it actually becomes a bit addictive because when you're settling for very little from someone else, when they're doing the bare minimum, we get excited. And this goes back to the fact that like, of to put it in economics terms, it's diminishing marginal returns. Marginal returns is like the benefit that you're the incremental benefit that you're getting from each additional thing and diminishing means it goes down. So like a lot of things in life have diminishing marginal returns. A good example of this is like pizza. Think about it like this. When you're super fucking hungry, the first bite of pizza is like the best fucking bite ever, right? And then the next bite is also really, really good, but it's slightly less good than the first bite was. And each subsequent bite is going to like be 
a little bit less good than the first bite was. It's still good, right? Unless you get to the point where you're overstuffed, then your returns are negative. But your returns are positive, but the marginal returns, that means the incremental benefit that you're getting from each additional bite is going to slowly be going down. Did I have to put this in economics terms? Probably not, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Like we are so satisfied, so much more satisfied by the first bit of something when we've been depriving it. Again, like food, I think is the best example or like a thirst, like that first sip of water when you're really fucking thirsty, nothing is as good as that. Like taking a nap when you're so fucking tired, it feels so much better than just your nightly going to bed if you're not as tired. Nothing is as satisfying as getting something when you've been deprived of that thing. And so the instant high that you get from like getting the bare minimum out of someone when they're just not doing the things, they're not meeting your basic needs, it's such a dopamine hit that it ends up feeling like a fucking drug. And when you have any sort of attachment wounds, essentially you are accustomed to your needs not being met. Now, whether it's with avoidant attachment, a lot of times it's like physical needs not being met or like people just not showing up when you're crying out or whether with anxious attachment, it's often like needs for um, independence and like having, you know, not being enmeshed and like having your own person being uh, fostered and encouraged by your caregivers, whatever the specific need is, one thing that's like universal is when there are attachment wounds, you're accustomed to your needs not being met. And so then when someone does like something tiny, the little breadcrumb, it's like an instant drug high. Now, I'm going to sound like such a fucking broken record. And for that, I apologize. But everything to me comes back to the subconscious work, because like as much as you can like try to be like, oh, my God, I will not like I'm going to, you know, deactivate myself when I'm angry before I have this conversation or like I'm going to work on being less reactive or like I'm going to work on speaking my needs. It's really hard to do these things on a conscious level without doing the work on the subconscious level. So that's why I have my courses that really help you heal on a subconscious level because that's what you like that's like when you try to speak your needs it's so fucking hard but when you do the subconscious work where you integrate some of the you reprocess some of the trauma that caused you to not speak your needs like for example one time like you were a little kid and you asked for something and someone called you needy that's a type of trauma and then you grow up never speaking your needs or you witness it happen to someone else or as a kid you were constantly praised for being so easy and easygoing and chill whatever it was all of these are types of trauma and so you just trying to speak your needs on a conscious level is going to be a really hard thing to do because on a subconscious level you have the programming still that like good people are needless and easygoing and like dramatic, difficult people have needs, right? Or some version of that is looping in your subconscious. But when you go in 
and on a subconscious level heal that. So you, you, you reprocess the traumatic event that imprinted that message for you. And then you start building new neural pathways that emphasize the fact that it's actually good and great to have needs and to voice those needs. Then it becomes a lot easier. It just becomes natural to voice your needs because you have it there. You have the neural pathways in your brain that say it's okay, that it's good, that it's allowed for you to do it. And just trying to fight against your subconscious mind is always an uphill battle. But when you do the subconscious work, it becomes so fucking easy. And again, that's why I make the courses. That's why I advertise the courses, because it's it's the way that I was able to do these things. Like, I don't pick fights with Ozzy because like I don't need to. I don't need to. I also voice my needs to him consistently. So like all of the reasons why I was picking fights before aren't applicable be- anymore because I healed on a subconscious level. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I want to get there um, and you're a member of the Blush Academy, what I would recommend if you have fight picking type behavior, do the fight picking course first and then do the attachment styles course and then do the decentering romance course. I would do it in that order. If you don't have fight fight picking behavior, but you can relate to that feeling of like, oh my God, it feels like I'm dying if I'm in a fight with someone and it's not resolved immediately. Do the attachment styles course first and then do decentering romance. And then there are certain days of the fight picking course that I would do. If this applies to you, just like DM or email me and I'll tell you which days of the fight picking course I would look into because there is like really helpful stuff there. (sighs) Okay. I've been talking for a really long time. Thank you so much for listening. I do want to give a quick shout out to two of my friends. One is Ariel who got married this past weekend. I'm so sad I couldn't be there. I love you so much. I hope it was everything. The pictures really got me through as I was laying sick on the couch. And the other is my friend Katie got engaged this past weekend and I'm so fucking excited. I'm already thinking about bachelorette party things and yeah have a really great week um we will chat next week love you guys thank you for listening if you got something from this conversation please share it with people please leave a five-star review rate review subscribe i know it's a pain in the ass for you but it helps the show so much Um, yeah, share, put it in your Instagram stories, tag, shout it from the rooftops, send it to people you're dating. I mean, do all of the things. And also all the links are in the show notes. Um, if you want to become a Blush Academy member, the link is there. Yada, yada. Love you guys. Talk next week.